What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As a great American philosopher, Jay-Z, once said, it was all good just a week ago. Ben Cruz is here with me. Brian is getting ready for a move. He's he's staying in San Francisco, but he's not going to be as close to Chase anymore, which is which I'm sad about because I just go park at his place and walk to the building. But uh, Ben Cruz from The Ringer, what's up, man? Not much, Double G. I'll be honest. I thought you were inviting me onto the wrestling show uh, based on last <laughs> night's happening. So I had I had all this, is Draymond's chokehold better than Taz's Taz mission uh, takes loaded? But I guess oh, we're, we're, we're going to, we'll go, no, we'll, we'll go into that as well. I, <laughs> uh, you, you showed me an article by Chuck Mindenhall, a UFC writer, MMA writer who, and he, he was, he wrote an, an article that was tongue in cheek about uh, Draymond's his lack of jujitsu experience in, in the chokehold against Rudy Gobert, which to me should work against him. Like if anybody in the NBA uh, executive offices who doles out the punishment understands how light that choke was, there's so much space between Draymond's inner arm and Rudy's neck. You knew that it wasn't an actual choke. It was like a come over well, here to get off but- of my guy. Based on how some of uh, the Draymond haters and Rudy Gobert is acting, he had he had that thing locked in. You know, he had his uh, his fingers were in it locking. He had I get what what a ridiculous response by Rudy. By the way, I, I get it. You know, you were he, he, Rudy also was about to choke slam Clay through a table. You know what I mean? So uh, Draymond responded, uh, and he's gonna yeah. he's gonna get suspended in some capacity. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's all it's all ridiculous. This is all a ridiculous situation. The- the thing about Draymond's uh, is his reputation is going to probably add uh, more to this punishment because we know that he doesn't like oh, yeah. Rudy, but yep. like take a ticket. Like the rest of the NBA don't like Rudy either. Like that that's a thing with him for whatever reason, you know, whether or not it's the patient zero COVID thing that we always kind of joke about or for, but you know, they make fun of this guy all the time. And yet he is uh, he's a tremendous defensive player, but it just seems like uh, I, I kind of wonder what a lot of the players think about, you know, what's going to happen. It, it's funny you bring that up, too, because I was curious as well, given kind of Rudy's reputation in that, you know, I don't know how how much of his how many of his peers exactly are big fans of him specifically. And I, I, I saw a clip from Pat Bev's podcast uh, yeah. where he they were recording as it happened. Oh wow! And, and Pat Bev 
kind of wasn't exactly in defense of what Draymond did. Yeah, he, yeah. he was he got more on Cat and, and not, you know, not getting on Cat for not getting involved in the scrap yeah, yeah. Uh, and defending Rudy a little bit more. But and the Evan Turner Evan Turners of the world, he 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 kind of put a, a little thing out there on Twitter too, which was just like I don't know. I'm, I am curious to see what a lot of the current players um, think about that because I, I thought I'd see a lot more. Oh my God, Draymond's on his you know BS again. I honestly didn't see a lot of it, and maybe I should search for it more. But it was wait uh, when is when is inside the NBA? When when are they? So are they, it, they ran last night. They okay. ran last night too um, on their you know they were on the Tuesday tip and, and Shaq and Chuck made fun of the situation a little bit. Shaq okay. put Chuck in a in a, uh, a chokehold, <laughs> and they go again tomorrow. So I'm sure they'll talk about it then. But it's yeah. a uh, you know for what's funny too is you know all all this talk about today's NBA being super soft. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. this is what the '80s and '90s hoop was like, uh, and basically what Draymond did last night was a regular occurrence during those days. And now all of these people are on this pedestal of, yeah. Oh, Draymond needs to be kicked out of the league. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let, let's actually break down the play and yeah. believe me, this will not be the only topic. There's a lot of stuff. This is kind of like, this is a great topic for a podcast because we don't have to talk about how poor the Warriors have played in these last four games as much <laughs> as we can talk about. We can get into that. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in, in a little bit, but this makes it a little bit more fun. Okay. So, the situation actually starts with uh, McDaniel's and Clay, mm-hmm. and I I watched the game a little late. I, I was probably about a half an hour behind the live feed. So when I saw your text, I don't, I don't actually, I don't think you even texted. It was it was some other people texting me. But then I te- when I got caught up, I texted you guys, and just you know, it was like <laughs> halftime, I think. So I saw. Now this goes back to the other day, Minnesota punked the Warriors in chase just a couple days ago with yep. Steph yep. and Draymond both playing, right? So there there was a little bit of a, an, an air of superiority for these uh, best record in the West T-Wolves. And I sensed that from the beginning. So Steph is out of the game. Steph has a knee, knee strain. And so McDaniels goes to Clay, And so Clay brings the ball up. And it's one of those bringing the ball up where – He's like pushing McDaniels off of him because McDaniels is guarding him so tightly as if McDaniels is saying like, you're not Steph, bro. Like, I'm going right. to take this basketball from you. So Clay was like, kind of took offense to that. was like pushing him. And I was like surprised he didn't get offensive foul. So that happens. Then they, they go for a rebound. Clay in his box out, pushes his hand out, grabs a hold of the jersey. He let go. He didn't hold it for that long. He let go. And then... As they were jogging back down court, McDaniels then grabbed his jersey. Then Clay grabbed his jersey again, and then they were in this like little tug of war thing. To me, this was a little bit reminiscent of uh, last year when uh, Devin Booker came into chase and was just punking Clay left and right, and probably yeah. didn't know about it. And this is what's going to happen. This happens with older players who, you know, Clay is having a terrible, terrible start to the season. You got these young cats who are coming up. And they're going to let him know about it when they can handle him. And so I don't think he was the instigator in this sense. I do think McDaniels was the instigator. I think Clay made a mistake. He, he didn't really mean to grab in on. retaliating. Yeah. But, but it was the box out, right? It was the box out. He knows yep. that this dude is athletic. He knows that this dude is a, an all world defender. So he's just trying to win his matchup. 
probably knowing that it wasn't going to go well at the same time. Now, they get in the tug-of-war thing. So now I want to show you this picture. Now, for the po- folks watching on YouTube, this is not the greatest picture because it's a screen grab, and I haven't seen an actual good photo of this yet. But this is what you were talking about early. So Rudy Gobert, the peacemaker, Rudy Gobert, he does this to Clay. So he puts his uh, his bicep in the back of Clay's head, and he puts his forearm kind of near Clay's chin, and he pulls Clay off now i don't know if that was necessary it looked like both guys were trying to get away from each other at that point and rudy decided you know he's gotta he's gotta try and split this thing up i thought it was actually gonna be split up already i don't think either guy wanted to really keep that thing going Uh, once you hear the whistles they were just like just let go my jersey bro so rudy does that and then it was almost like it was almost like a bee that smelled honey or, you know, the nectar of, of a flower. Draymond sees that and he's like, oh, it's an eye for an eye. Now, Draymond's choke, which uh, I'll show here. Thankfully, uh, Jordan Jimenez, J squared. He actually is the only one that I've seen that actually has a good photograph of the, everything else is screen grabs on Twitter. So shout out to, to J squared. Uh, for his photo, and you get a really good view of Draymond grabbing Gobert underneath the chin and pulling him backward and down. And (laughs) so Pat Bev is frustrated with Cat. Gobert was just going to be dragged by Draymond. Like, what was was he doing? He he must have been shocked because there was, like, no, like, uh, no fight back there. He was just like, oh. I'm getting dragged by this man who's half my size and I'm just going to go with him. Cause at first, like he, like he has his hands up and he's just like, I think he's looking at the refs and the refs are like, bro, like, what do you want us to call the, the play is over. <laughs> like, like, what do you, yeah. we can only, we can't blow the whistle again. Like, what are you asking us to do? Get out of this thing. And so finally uh, people pulled Draymond off. Cat tried to sneak behind Draymond and uh, he kind of put his arm around Draymond but Draymond, Draymond like fought the choke by putting his chin in his chest, so Cat couldn't get his arm underneath Draymond's chin. And I think Aunt Edwards uh, grabbed Draymond's arm or something, and then they finally separated. Now Draymond and Aunt had their own little shindig the other night, where uh, they kind of got into it, and Aunt basically told Draymond, you know, no one's scared of you or whatever. So all of those things, like I think the reason why this happened. More so than anything else is the Warriors got punked in chase just a couple of days ago. I think that's the reason why this thing kind of got a little bit out of control because you have the team who did the punking, who's coming out on the court just, you know, with some swagger. And then you have the team without their best player who are, you know, just two years ago defending champions are like, we got to set this tone because if these guys come out here and and we play the same way, this thing could get away from us quickly. I think all of those are involved into what happened, but the only thing that I think the NBA offices are going to care about is the actual choke. So here's my question to you. What is Draymond's suspension going to be here? And does the league retroactively go back and say, we screwed up. Rudy should have been punished as well. I mean, I've seen one game suspension for Draymond and I've seen 10 right was that Jay Williams saying 10 
Yeah, Jay Williams, but <laughs> I think Jay Williams also has uh, some ulterior motives when it comes to the Warriors and Draymond. I- I'm going to split the difference here, and I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of five games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because of the choke itself. I think it's going to be the the rationale is going to be closer to what they've done in the past when it comes to punishing Draymond, which is, you know, his behavior from the past, right? Like his, the, his history, his reputation, right? So I think it's going to fall somewhere in the five game range. And in terms of will the league punish Rudy at most a game, he might catch a fine, uh, you know, a retroactive technical uh, because apparently you can do that too. Uh, You know, if you, if you look back at what they did to Draymond uh, the other night, so uh, against the Cavs, I should say, but uh, again, it's all so the only way I can think of is silly, right? This is, it's so dumb how, how this all unfolded. And you're right in that clay and McDaniels got tied up. You know, the the jersey pulling and Clay's jersey was ripped, which was a whole other um, a little shocking. But th- that might have just been, you know, within the tussling. And that was probably going to deescalate sooner than later. I mean, J- yeah. Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels are two of the most mild mannered dudes yeah. in the league. And, and neither of them were trying to get kicked out. Um, and it, it obviously escalated. It, it escalated at the point that Rudy got involved, yep. which is why the peacemaker thing was strange to me that they they labeled it so quickly too they obviously reviewed the film and they they reviewed the tape and that's what they came away with because i think it would have been it would have dissolved you know double technical situation because i i think in that um in anthony slater's piece he he talked about talking to the to the refs in, in the pool after the game and they were that was one of the options that they had floated to each other which was or that they had floated for clay and, and mcdaniels which was oh we'll just double tech them both up and keep it moving but since it lingered and it escalated into what it escalated to you know those the ejections happened so yeah i mean with the draymond stuff i'm assuming a multi-game suspension and then with the rudy thing i think the way that he's almost preemptively preemptively gone to the media and (laughs) claimed his life was threatened like he was tony khan in the cm punk situation (laughs) uh yeah i think they're going to be a little bit more generous with how they kind of treat it the so I, I go back every time something happens like this with Draymond, I go back to the 2016 finals because how can you not, right? Warriors sure. are about to go up 3 1. Then, uh, and then Draymond, LeBron steps over Draymond, and Draymond kind of just like shoots his arm up towards LeBron's groin. And it's like, okay, is is that the punishment, which was Draymond uh, having to get suspended, it, was that because of the crime or was that because of the previous crimes? Because he had also done a lot of kicking towards the groin. Stephen uh, Adams situation. Stephen Adams. Yeah. So that is what I go back to. So I always lean towards Draymond getting more of a punishment than probably what he it should be because they're also basing prior crimes when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. And I think I, at first, like last night when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, he'll get suspended for two games and then we'll keep it moving. And then that's actually good for him because he's still coming off of this ankle injury. He himself doesn't feel like he's 100% back yet. That'll just be rest and, and he'll be fine. He was going to miss those two games at some point anyway during the season just based off of rest. And now you said what you said at five 
I'm actually probably leaning a little bit closer to what you said. If it's beyond five, though, this is a level of ridiculousness that is, I don't know, it's, 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 it's you know, every, every league is, is hypocritical when it comes to this stuff. Uh, the NFL has specific rules where everybody, you know, on the field except for the quarterback can get tackled in a certain way, right? So, yeah. but, but I just, I just sense that, uh, if it is more than than what we believe, then it's it's really silly. And you know, I, I do think that Rudy does deserve something for instigating the situation. If Rudy doesn't grab Clay by the neck, then Draymond doesn't do what he did. And it, it's like uh it's like uh Barry Bonds on steroids. Big Mac and Sammy Sosa were on steroids first. Barry Bonds are just better than both of them on steroids. It's like, you right. know, sorry that Draymond is 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 uh, better at sticking up for his guy than you are. But again, it's Draymond, so it's going to be there. I think they're going to lean heavier. But uh, what do you? If it's more than five games, what are you thinking? If it's more than five, I think it's going to go to ten. Like it's it's just going to be on that end of the spectrum, because again, the the history is hard to. It's hard to debate, right? Like it, it exists. So, with that, they can use that as kind of evidence uh, for why they're going to go in that direction. And again, I think the <laughs> the fact that he kind of ragdolled Rudy a little bit down the court <laughs> is going to be like they're going to set a timer to see how long this actual chokehold uh, took place. And I think that's that's going to be it. So if it's not five or anything a little bit less than that, I think it's going to be in the double digits, which is like, which is kind of unfortunate, uh, especially given that you know they instituted this in season tournament and this group play thing. Yep. So that the players would care more, even though that that whole concept is a little bit ridiculous to me. I think we we have some of the most competitive players in the in the NBA, and, and then they need extra incentive. Yeah. Anyway, they got what they wanted, right? The league got what they wanted. They got a bunch of dudes who care about winning this game. So maybe a little too much, right? <laughs> you know, ripping jerseys and choking your opponent probably isn't what they were thinking when they, when they came up with this idea. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the situation. And, but I mean, you and I have kind of seen how they've handled this stuff with Draymond in the past, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be more severe than than we're actually thinking. I think we're probably being a little bit too rational right now. Yeah, if I'm being honest. yeah, and you know, we're we're being rational. Also, we're Warriors fans. We're Draymond right. fans. We've seen him. We've seen everything that he's ever done. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Uh, here's a here's a bigger picture thing that I'm a little worried about. And Brian and I talked about this last year when the Phoenix situation happened where they just blew the Warriors off their home court. You know, the history of the NBA says that you have this dynasty and eventually the dynasty's over and you kind of set up the next team. Like you think about, uh, you know, the, the Celtics and the Lakers, the Lakers finally overcame them and the Celtics uh, were sort of the setup for the Pistons to come out. The Pistons had to go through the Celtics in order to be the Pistons, the champions that, that they were. Chicago Bulls had to go through not only the Pistons, but also Magic Johnson and the Lakers to become who mm-hmm. they were. You know, we got that championship two years ago, which was, I think, a little bit of a surprise. And so it gave that dynasty a little bit more life. And I really wonder if this year's team and, and what we've seen, we've seen two different, two different plans, two different strategy attacks in the last two years. Last year and the year before was young draft picks. We got to get these guys, these young guys, some playing time. We got to build around these young guys. And if you're a vet, you're like, we got Steph, man. Like we need to actually maximize his career. We, we, we have a window. We need to just press the gas pedal and, and, you know, bring in a team that can win the title again. And this year they kind of did that a little bit, right? You bring in Chris Paul, you bring in Sharich, you let go of a James Wiseman. Uh, you let go of a Ryan Rollins and, uh, Who's the who's Patrick Patrick uh, Baldwin Baldwin Jr. Yeah, Jr. And you go, okay, like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe last year we thought a little bit differently about this, and, and so you bring in and then you draft a, a two rookies who are older, who who are not you know nineteen years old. So the, the, it was like a, a flip to the other page. But I think what we're also seeing is the athleticism on this team is almost non-existent. Like Andrew Wiggins. He is a shadow of himself right now. And I thought, even though I don't think he played well against uh, the Timberwolves last night, there were signs of things that he was doing to where you're like, okay, this brother is really trying hard to get out. He was active, much more active last night. But but again, every time he he gets the ball and he's got a pump fake, the ball just goes out of his hands and out of bounds. I don't know. Yeah, but like, what does he do? Put lotion on us? Like, can you put some, the chalk that LeBron throws up in the air? Like, can we give some of that to Wiggins and to Kaminga? It's it's a severe case of the yips. I mean, that's the only explanation for this, right? There's no reason that this dude is averaging, there's no logical reason anyway, that he's averaging seven points per game less than his his lowest uh, career average, right? So like his lowest... Points per game average before this season was 17 points per game. It was like 17.1, I think, which is ironically in the last two or three seasons, which right now we would take, right? The Warriors would take. Right now he's averaging 10.4 points per game, 15% from three. It's just it's just these historically tragic numbers that, uh, you know, it, it, this, this reminds me of when 
last season, people were trying to come up with the reasoning for the Warriors struggling on the road, right? When the, their, their road record was just horrendous and the complete opposite. And I remember, the, the, again, there were a couple articles that came out. I think Hollinger wrote something for, for The Athletic. Zach Cram wrote something for us over at The Ringer that tried to really break it down by the numbers. I remember at the end of both those pieces, it was just, well, I think they just don't like each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, like the, we couldn't come up with a ra- rational yeah, explanation. Yeah. And, it, you know, at some point, maybe something will come out about why Wiggins is exactly struggling, but the yips is where I'm at now. Yeah. Right? I, I, you know, there's obviously he's, he had to recover from that injury during the off season, uh, which totally understandable. But at some point now we're, we're 12 games in, I don't know. It's, you know, there's there's no other explanation than the yips. That's where I, this is where I'm at now <laughs> in terms of as a as a basketball fan <laughs> who consumes this on a day to day basis. I, I I'm out of answers. I'm out of potential answers anyway that make sense to uh, to any rational NBA fan. Um. All right. So I guess if we would have done this podcast without the uh, the the fracas that happened, the lead would have been. Steph Curry's knee. And originally when he heard, like, well, I don't even know if we heard anything coming out of the game the other day in which he heard it. And then yesterday morning we heard that, you know, there was some, something going on and Shams wrote that it was probably wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And then we saw MRI like right after that. And maybe that was a little bit sort of like a more safe than sorry kind of thing, but they didn't have him last night. Sounds like he's going to be day-to-day. Kerr said there is a possibility of missing one or two games, but nothing more than that. This season, not not saying that the first 12 games of the season means anything because NBA is so streaky, but you know they, they, actually, they actually play well on the road this year, which is a flip from last year. And I got on this show with Brian, and I said, you know, I, I, it's great that they were winning these close games on the road, but if they come back and struggle at home, then it all it's all for naught. It's just like whatever. So now they – I don't know if you've seen the schedule. They have some home games. Yep. Thunder, Thunder, Rockets. And, and the Rockets are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. So without – if Steph Curry misses a couple games here, you know, we may be looking at six and nine – Something like that. They they need to actually go out and get a W uh, in in one of these games without him. I think to reset the tone. And I don't know how you do that without Draymond. I mean, you got a spirited moral victory, and you can't have two moral victories two weeks in a row because we had a moral victory against Denver too. Like I I'm like okay, well I'll give them that they played good in Denver, but you, you, like I'm sick of you know oh they played well you know, I, you know the 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 Tim Kawakami article, surprisingly, Tim Kawakami, one of not moral victory kind of dudes. He basically wrote two weeks in a row, you know, that this, that there's positives coming out of these losses. So, but I just think, you know, this season could quickly get away from them with Steph being out and Draymond being out at the same time for however long. And I wonder if that means Steph is going to try to push it because he knows that there's going to be no Draymond. So that is something that I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah. And and that's, this wouldn't be such a big deal if clay was playing decently. Decently. (laughs) Like that's the, that's the bar that we're at now. If Wiggins is playing 
decently. I think we're fine with, okay, Draymond's going to be out. Steph can miss a game or two. And, you know, have CP kind of run that team with them. I think, you know, those are the, the Warriors, like you said earlier, have stacked their roster with enough guys who you can feel decently about, right? To have a chance to win the game. I mean, we're now putting all our eggs in the Brandon Pajemski basket. Yes. Right. And don't get me wrong. Dude is fun to watch. He's also 20 years old. He's a rookie. You know, the Timberwolves probably weren't expecting to have to guard this dude for 39 minutes last night. Right. So there's, there's just more tape on him. And and I'm sure that, you know, defenses will adjust as he plays more. They're just going to back off and let him shoot. I think, which is interesting too, because he's, he can shoot. That's that's actually, that's actually one of his strengths. And Kerr has actually talked to he talked about that a couple of days ago. In that, when someone asked him why isn't Pod shooting more, when that was kind of his his bag back in college, and you you actually kind of saw that yesterday, right? And and a little bit in the G League when he kind of had that stint down in Santa Cruz. The dude can shoot. It looks funky because he's yeah. left handed. Yeah, but he can actually really really shoot the ball. So, I mean. Again, six and six now, it, it, it it's there's trouble ahead. Again, if if this the, the Steph thing lingers, the Steph injury lingers, and who knows what's up with this Draymond situation, that's that's where a lot of this is going to uh, be determined, right? How long he's going to be out, coupled with the Steph the, um, the Steph absence. And look, man, if if this is just where Clay is in terms of his struggles and his averages and his numbers, that's equally as alarming. And and the uh, again. The Wiggins situation, I guess you got to let it play out a little bit more. He's also averaging career lows in, in minutes, right? He's averaging 26 minutes a game. So maybe Kerr, this is a situation where it's like it's learning to ride a bike, right? With no training wheels, you just got to let it, let him figure it out. Or, or when, when we had to learn how to swim, right? Your pants would just throw you in the deep end until you've <laughs> learned how to swim. This might just be a play Wiggins 35 minutes until he figures it out, until he fixes everything he needs to fix. So it's... I mean, and we know that Kerr isn't afraid to tank a game or two or three, you know, for the the betterment of the the entire season. So I, I could see that happening, and and then falling below five hundred pretty quickly here. So the one thing that Pajemski does well that I think will allow him to stay on the court, even if he's not shooting great, because I think that I think that would be the the play is. You sag off because his instinct is to drive and kick and to drive and create for guys like that is just his instinct. His instinct is not to spot up and, and shoot, but he attacks the offensive glass. He attacks the defensive mm-hmm. glass. Great rebounder. And so I think he he will keep getting minutes and maybe maybe those things in of themselves is what could push him ahead of Moody and Kaminga in in the starting i mean in in the rotation because what is the one thing that Kerr said last year cuz last year in the playoffs we were all thinking like man why is Kaminga getting no run against this long Lakers team and Steve Kerr's answer in the offseason was that he he just doesn't rebound enough for his size and rebounding as we also know is a big effort thing so the fact that Pajemski is willing to get his nose dirty and is willing to get elbowed in the in the eyeball, it, it, uh, that could push him ahead of both Moody and, and Kaminga in the rotation. Uh, I, I 
probably like Moody a little bit more than most, just because I think he's like a calming presence. Like you, he doesn't make a mistake to where you're like, Oh, get that guy out. And he makes enough three pointers to where you're like, man, I'm so glad he was the last guy to get the ball in the rotation. Cause he was not hesitating to shoot it. But at the same time, he can't really go. He can go hard, right. But that's about it. And then, you know, he kind of gets stopped and Pajemski being a, uh, a point guard, can actually handle a little bit. So he's not going to get stuck like that. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And I do wonder if with Draymond out, can you play large minutes with Steph GP two and Pajemski and CP three on like, that's like the smallest team of all time. But those are also four of your best players. And so, I mean, I think we're gonna what we're gonna see a lot more of is a little Sarich and Draymond, right? Because I think Kerr has realized what's kind of bogged down the offense and what was again the best starting five in the league last year is no longer that, right? Because the two non shooters aspect of that lineup has finally caught up to them because they're not particular with that lineup, they're not particularly big. And again, when you can when the defense can decipher, oh, we're just going to sell out on Steph and sell out on Clay, and Wiggins isn't making shots, that's essentially three non-shooters, right? And that is, uh, it's a, it's just so much easier to defend. So now with them putting in Saric, I think is uh, it, it's an interesting wrinkle because I, I think going into the season, Looney was cemented as that guy, right? Oh, he's he's yeah. there's no way he's you know he's not going to give up his spot for Chris Paul anymore. That, that's just not what's going to happen. But with the way that this offense is currently structured, I mean, the Sarich thing, the fact that he's now the savior for, for a guy who signed for the vet minimum is kind of absurd. Uh, and he's, he's the only other guy who scored 20 points <laughs> multiple but, times outside. But of you staff, know what, you ridiculous. know what this also means? And I don't even really mean to look further than, than this year. He's not coming back next year. He's going to be way yeah. too expensive. Yeah. He's he's, oh. he's he's going full Dante DiVincenzo. He's playing himself out of this uh off the team. He's playing yeah. really well. Yeah. Um All right, so a little bit more about Kaminga and Moody cuz you know, we we like these dudes. You root for these dudes. We've got to watch them from the beginning uh until now. But it does seem a little bit like, where's that leap? You know, you see it in glimpses, but it's just not consistent. And I wonder what Kerr's uh, patience level is with both of these guys. Because in a game where you lose Draymond and you already don't have Steph, Moses Moody only played 13 minutes last night. You would think he slides in to play 25 and that you need him because he's active and he can steal the ball. He can jump passing lanes. He could shoot the three. But for whatever reason, that was not the antidote that Kerr thought that they needed. 13 minutes at Kaminga, he, he didn't even really play much down the stretch when they were really tight and they needed buckets. They're like, nope, Kaminga's not, not that guy who's going to get the buckets. I, what, do you, what do you gauge by the way that Kerr played them last night? Is it just because of the game and the situation, or does this foretell a little bit of the future for them? I mean, I think the more alarming thing is, is that both those guys really haven't developed the full feel for this team that you'd think they'd have by now in year three and, and more so Kaminga, right? Because I think Kaminga has the higher ceiling of the two and you expect again, he was part of their whole 
two two timeline thing, right? In terms of him being kind of the future of the team, the number seven pick, this, that, and the third. But I think last night was just a a, a, a shining example of the fact that Kerr doesn't think both those guys have the feel to to kind of be the solve, right? It, it, I think it's really telling that he played Pajemski, what was it, 39 minutes yeah. last night? Like a rookie who, for a coach who historically does not favor or play rookies, that's ridiculous. And obviously the whole situation was was thrown, you know, the whole rotation was thrown into disarray after the, the ejections up front. But again, like you said, 13 and 14 minutes respectively for Moody and Kaminga, uh, it, it's a trust thing with Kerr. It, it just always has been, right? Even if you make mistakes, th- th- there's, there's there's an aspect where he he kind of trusts you to figure it out. He just doesn't trust those guys. And mm-hmm. I think more so Kuminga than Moody because Moody has had these moments where he's just he's he's in the right spot. You know, he's he's doing things. He's being that connective piece. Kuminga always feels like a round peg in a square hole type situation, right? And Again, I think we all jumped to conclusions during the preseason specifically, which is just a whole other reason why we shouldn't believe anything we see in the preseason in terms of statistics. Like that, that dude was balling. Kaminga was yeah. balling then, and and now he can barely figure it out. Um, and so it's it's interesting. It's it's alarming. It's it's all of these things uh, that you know you hope that that he figures it out, but it just might be a situation where we've kind of seen enough. Um, of a sample size in three years to realize, hey, maybe Kaminga doesn't fit with this team. Yeah. Um, and they kind of missed that window. It would be interesting if he had more opportunities to maybe play a small ball five and not defensively, you're just giving up essentially. Uh, or, you know, play a little bit more of the four in a in a rotation with Steph and and Clay and shooters so that he doesn't have to really be out on the perimeter. He can play a little bit closer to the basket, but uh, they they don't seem to be creative with lineups around Jonathan coming in. It could be some of what you said about just the feel and the instinct. And, you know, cause he, he like, sometimes I just want him to, I've talked about this with Brian. I want to see him get the ball and immediately react instead of do the, half of a second to think about what he's going to do. Cause then by then the defense is already like rotated, right? Like if you have that boom, immediate, get the ball, boom, make a decision and go, then the defense is going to be on their heels, but he doesn't do that. He, he, he has to sort of figure out what he wants to do before knowing what he's going to do, except when he can cut back door for dunks, which that seems to be open a lot. And I don't know why he himself uh, doesn't do that more. Maybe it's whatever the offense is, is set up for him to do is, is not there. But you see GP do it. You see Wiggins do it. These guys are flying back door in for dunks. And I'm just like, coming is the, the, the guy who could sky the highest. Why aren't we running this play for him to take advantage of that? But some of it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the exact reason to that. I have to watch some of the sets and stuff. Uh, you know, you know, it's fascinating. And this is kind of a little bit off tangent, but. Do you see these, uh, you know, Slater does it. Uh, who's who's the other guy? Uh, I think he used to do, he used to do the, the Warriors blog. Is his name Joe Veray? Oh, Joe Veray, yeah. Yeah, this dude is awesome at, like, watching sets and getting clips and explaining the yep. offense. Like, that is, like, next-level blogger fandom there that yeah. I, I, re- I really enjoy. 
but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily watching for that stuff when I'm watching games. So I'm trying to figure out other things, but I'm very impressed when, when I see stuff like that, uh, just like o- almost like, you know, very quickly after the, after the game is over, it's like already got stuff going. Like I, I shout out to to him. That, that stuff's very impressive, but, uh, but yeah, like we'll, we'll have, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 there's so many questions I think I would ask Steve about the team that are kind of unrelated to what happened in these last few games. Just like, tell us the future, bro. Like, are these guys off on your, your S list or you still have ideas and, and thoughts? Or you just give up on these guys? Are these guys the new Wiseman's? Like, what's going to happen? Are we trading these dudes at the deadline for pieces? What's I going mean, the on? thing is, he's he's treated Moody like this his entire career, right? But then he'll throw him in to a key playoff moment <laughs> and he actually kind of ha- holds up okay uh, so i'm not as concerned with moody again this is what was to be expected when you draft him at 14 right yeah. like he's a fringe lottery pick the the percentage of those types of guys being drafted at that number tends to not work out that high right i think the kaminga ceiling is where we all are just hoping for more with him and it just hasn't happened yet and look it still could he's still very very young he's still it's weird to say he's still learning this team because again it's year three the the one thing that always sticks out to me is just how andre iguodala talks about him uh or has talked about him in the past too on his podcast in that you know he and i think they have a really good relationship It, it seems to be that way but you could just sense the tone in Andre's voice when he talks about the frustrations with Kuminga, right? And and how they couldn't quite get him to buy in fully as a rookie. And, you know, the same thing a little bit in year two. Whereas when the vets talk about Moody, they, they talk about him a little bit more glowingly, right? And look, maybe I'm reading too much into that, admittedly. But the, the Kuminga thing is just, he was the piece where if he actually elevated his play, the Warriors are a much better team, right? Like they could, yes. they, they would be able to survive the Wiggins struggles right now. They'd be able to survive the clay struggles right now because you had, and, and if you look back at, you know, when, when they started out six and two, Kaminga was actually not bad off the bench, right? You could count on him for 10 to 12 points a game. He could hit that mid range, uh, you know, from the free throw line, from the elbow, pretty consistently and that that's just all but disappeared right along with the rest of the team scoring but it's just glaring now that they've lost four in a row so yeah it's uh it's a bummer um what was the last thing i wanted to ask you about i guess just a look ahead of the schedule and we'll get out of here uh i mentioned um i had this up somewhere oh it's uh thunder tomorrow so thursday Yep. Thunder at home and then Thunder again at home and then the Rockets come into town. So those next three games, the Thunder, the Thunder and the Warriors games are crazy because they're so up and down. And I think if the Thunder actually had a true like ball and you know shea i guess shea will be is shea healthy is he gonna be yeah playing in so shea's back and he, he obviously missed the first game that they had this year that the first in-season tournament game so because that's what I mean, that's what they were missing that first game against mm-hmm. the warriors is they didn't really have someone which was a t- was- oh lou dort was uh yeah 
<laughs> unbelievable in that game. He could not miss and was the best basketball player on the planet for about 25 minutes. But that that, that those games back-to-back, from a size advantage, like that's a horrible matchup for the Warriors size-wise. The way the Warriors stay in those games is – you know, they, they are a smart basketball team and, and the Thunder are still young. But I just kind of, I'm just like, okay, Shea's just going to dribble, dribble, get to the free throw line, boom, mid-range. Like, I, the, the, I don't, who's going who's gonna to guard this dude is actually my question. So uh, that's I mean, going to be, be tough. They'll throw, yeah, they'll throw Wingens on him as they, they've done, as they're, you know, he's usually their first uh, or their top line point of attack defender. So... It'll be him. I think the bigger concern is who's going to guard Chet because that dude is a free and he's he's playing well too. Like he's he's a stretch five who can block shots. It's he's it's not ideal for what the Warriors struggle against is just length, <laughs> consistent length. Um, and look, but he, he's, he's going to be more willing to come out to the perimeter. Sure. Which yeah. fit which fits better than Gobert just sitting his ass in the middle and the Warriors can't do anything about it. But yeah. you're right because this is the new style big with him and Wembenyama. When I, I did the Wembenyama, you did it. <laughs> Wembenyama. You know why yeah. I did it is because uh, Brian and I every time we hear it nationally. We'll just text each other. I was like, "Oh, Mike oh, Green all the time." Mike Green did the Wembenyana, and then um, Dave Meltzer was talking about the Spurs as being an actual TV draw, and he did the Wembenyana. And so I, ha- I have it in my head, like <laughs> the Wembenyana thing is in my head, but it's Wembenyama. I, I don't know why people. I don't know. Maybe the N is easier than the than the M at this point for the tongue. It's weird. I mean, you'd think that we'd all have it figured out. And I, we, I think that's why we've all resorted to Wemby, right? Yeah. I <laughs> think Bill, Bill went, Bill Simmons, your boss went Wemby pretty quick early in the game. He's Smart. like, I'm, yeah, you know? I'm just going Wemby. Like, I mean, he, he himself has, he criticizes himself for not being able to pronounce names well sometimes. So Wemby going Wemby was smart. Oh, I know what the last thing I was going to ask you. Uh, you, you run, uh, you help run the Austin Reeves podcast. Off Austin guard. Rivers. Yeah, I'm sorry, Austin. I was. I, <laughs> that's another one. That's that's the Wimbanyana for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I always say <laughs> yeah. Austin Reeves. Uh, I wonder what he's going to say about this whole spiel, this whole shenanigans that happened. I'm I'm interested too, especially that's his former team. That was the team he played on last year. Rudy was one of his teammates last year. Jaden McDaniel's, who he's he touted as or he picked as the defensive player of the year this year during our, our prediction show. So I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting uh, in like the best way possible. What do you want to say? <laughs> uh, you know, so that should be happening. Uh, his, his next show drops this Friday. So um, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it and I actually can't wait because I think Pasha will get, he, he's going to lead with that. They're going to lead with that topic for sure. Um, and, you know, especially given how well the Timberwolves are playing, like they should be talked about almost every yep. show. Just you know, they're, they're the best defensive team in the league. And Cat Cat killed the Warriors last night. Just timely Just bucket after timely big bucket. three after yeah. big three. It's like, oh Warriors, oh we're, we're back. We tied the game. Cat's like, sorry guys, boom three pointer. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I'm I'm very interested because Austin Rivers, uh, you know, I think he always played his ass off against the Warriors. I don't know if there's anything personal there with with because uh, the Warriors were dominant during his his uh, early parts of his career. Uh, but I always sense that 
hmm, you know, he he's kind of taken this personally that the that the Warriors come in and 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 win all these games. Like you could you could really see the frustration on his face and the fight back. And he's he didn't care if it was Steph or Clay. He was he was pushing and, and he always and played stuff. well against the Warriors. I feel like you know, and that this is this is why we both games, yeah. we both wanted him on on the team because we're like. Man, you know we need some of that fire. He would have been. He would have been in that mix last night if if he was on the court for sure. It would have been oh a thousand percent. I I would have loved for him to have been on the Warriors though on the Warriors side just to see yeah. the conflict with us. He's he's getting to work with him has been fantastic. In that you know you th- it's it's one of those situations where you think you know someone in the NBA based off of you know watching them play and you actually yeah. So yeah. it's uh and getting to know him over the past year and change or so has been awesome. And he's uh look at look at uh, he's 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 really good at what he does <laughs> with the pod stuff. Is so, he gonna has he has his pops been on the show yet? Not yet, but it's, it's coming though, right? I think so. Uh, you know, Doc can't has, ha- has, he can't have both of them with, doing stuff with the ringer and them not getting together. He showed, yeah, Doc showed up on Bill's show a couple of times now, so I I'd like to say that Doc will be there um, on our show at some point, but we'll see. We'll see. That there, and I don't think I don't know if they could do that on this show, but I got the sense from both guys that because of Doc's career. Uh, Moms was doing the heaviest amount of raising. And, you know, I think Austin's uh, the, the a lot of the flack that he would get early on in his career was about, oh, of course, son of an NBA player, son of a coach. He's had it easy. And from what I understand, Austin is like, my dad wasn't coaching me like he was working like I had to do this thing, you know, sort of, you know, having the river's name helps, but he had to grind all on his own. And that's, that's an interesting sort of psychoanalysis of, of probably why he became as good as he did. He talks a lot about it actually in, you know, he went to a public high school where he lived nearby. And he, you know, he, he was the number one player in the country um, on that team and led them to some state championships. And, you know, he played his AAU teams were, were local. He didn't, you know, do that thing now where it's, you know, you transfer to a certain high school to play to get you to a certain place. Right. He, uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, he, 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 so actually Austin actually has his own AAU team over there in Florida now. And, you know, he, he talks about, you know, some of the struggles that he has to deal with, with like kind of like the parents and, and how they get, you know, almost too involved. And he just didn't have, I guess that obstacle and just, he played. Yeah. He yeah. played with the guys on that went to that high school, um, to his high school, and the guys that were local in their AAU, uh, on their AAU team. So, it's um, I'm interested to see. He, he talks a lot about you know kind of the high school aspect of this all, and um, as you know, like the Cooper flags of the world, you know, as as he watches them develop, he's always got interesting takes, which I'm always looking forward to hearing him talk about. Well, I know Austin's got his own feed now. Uh, mm-hmm. The off guard feed. So, I'll, if I remember, I'll link to the the Apple Podcast uh, feed in in the notes to this show. But I I, I just find the whole thing uh, really fascinating. I you know he was he was a guy who was easy to kind of dislike because of how well he played against the Warriors. But I do like his perspective. Like when he came on with Bill that one time, like I was like, yeah, this guy's got a lot to say, which is which is awesome. So yeah, all right. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you coming in the clutch because Brian's out for the rest of the week. 
Uh, we were able to make, make it work on our lunch breaks. So uh, much love and going to hope that uh, hope that things shape up for the Warriors here for our own uh, for our own fandom. Absolutely. Double G, thanks for thanks as always for having me on. You know, I'll, I'll come on anytime. So shout out to you guys. Uh, shout out to Brian. Good luck with the move. And um, we'll uh, we'll wait with <laughs> bated breath on this Draymond suspension. <laughs> yeah. All right. To, uh, for Ben, I'm Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.